Hello and welcome. This is episode 158 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson, a writer, director and a producer, and my film The Dare is available in the USA and Canada if you like your horror, psychological gory and some wonderful drama and some twists, then watch it. Please do and give us some reviews on iTunes and Amazon. It means the world to us, I promise you. And A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which I was lucky enough to be one of the producers on, is available now pretty much around the world. So if you haven't watched that yet, please do uh, and give us some nice reviews. So, this is part two of our very special Make Your Film Online Summit. Oh yes it is. It was recorded live on Zoom um, and it did alright. I think we did alright with it. Obviously put the last one up on Tuesday. If you've not listened to part one, then do. It's with Christy Wilson-Cairns, the fantastic screenwriter of 1917 and Colin Gowdy, the wonderful editor of Star Wars Rogue One and Monsters. Um, It is a delight and thank you all so much for your wonderful wonderful feedback uh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it and thank you so much to those who turned up and joined us we really appreciate it but this part two is with producer Finn Galin. now Finn if you don't know is the producer of so many so many amazing films also uh, our second guest coming up after Finn is Jack Binder he is major Hollywood studio producer Jack Binder. That's who he is. He's also produced TV and so many indie films. Credits include First Reformed, starring Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried, which was Oscar-nominated, by the way. And The Upside of Anger, starring Kevin Costner. And of course, Rain Over Me, starring Adam Sandler. He also runs and owns FilmBudget.com. So that is coming up very, very soon for you, but myself and Dom decided that seen as this... Uh, Make a Film Online Summit did so well that we thought we'd do another one. Yes, we are. It is April the 20th. Monday, 6pm to 8pm UK time, April the 20th. So, wherever you are around the world, and I know so many of you lovely listeners do listen to us around the world, wherever you are, you can join us. The link is in the show notes. We're doing it through Eventbrite. What we're doing is we're going to have to charge a little bit, mainly because it costs a website fees, but... What we want to do with any um, profits we make, we're going to give it back to um, filmmakers and anyone struggling. So it's going to go into a nice pot that will go into the benevolent fund that is being set up right now, by, I believe, by Directors UK and BFI, um, Beck2. They're all getting involved. Uh, so we're going to put it towards that. Why not? We're doing this to help you and we love it. So why not support? But it does cost a little bit. It's like two quid is the minimum and then you can put it to seven. If you're feeling flush and you think it's worth it, which I do, because the guests on the Make Your Film uh, Online Summit Part 2 is, so far we have, Scott Beck and Brian Woods, the screenwriters of A Quiet Place. Oh, yes, we do, all the way from LA. They're going to be joining us as well as they wrote A Quiet Place. They also directed and wrote Haunt 
I love Haunt. It is a fantastic movie. They're going to be joining us to talk all about how to survive and thrive now, what screenwriters should be doing and what directors should be doing and how you can move your projects forward. And of course, we'll be talking how to make your film because that's what it is about. Other guests are announced soon. We're in talks right now. Exciting. So come and join us April the 20th. That is Make Your Film Online Summit Part 2. Link to that is in the show notes. Right, so some of our guests coming up on the podcast very soon for you. Uh, we've got Ravers director, Bernard Putcher. We have indie film darling and wonderful all-round indie filmmaker, Alex Ferrari. And we're going to be giving away a copy of his book, Film Entrepreneur. Also coming up, we have John McPhail, the director of Anna and the Apocalypse. And director Josh Smith as well as horror legend, Danny Draven. And we've got all those guests coming up for you on the Filmmakers Podcast. We are not stopping. We are doing this. We are carrying on. Um, also, if you are new to the Filmmakers Podcast, or if you've been here a little while, um, you might not have caught up with all the episodes. You might have missed some, because there is rather a lot now. 158 of these little buggers that I've done. Um, so I thought I'd remind you, or tell you, about some of our previous episodes, um, which have included the director, Fernando Morales, who not only directed City of God, but also the two popes um, we've also had Mark Jenkins the director of Bait Anthony McCartan the screenwriter of Bohemian Rhapsody Neil Marshall obviously Hellboy director and Mark Strong the actor from Kingsman um, we've also had Tom Harper who directed The Fantastic Aeronauts and Wild Rose uh, and of course David Kep, the screenwriter of Jurassic Park as well as Peter Delvecco the producer of Frozen that is just a taste that is just a few of the wonderful guests we've had on this podcast. All you've got to do if you want to listen to any of those is type in their name and then type the Filmmakers Podcast into Google or whatever the choice of search bar you want to go into and it will pop up. I'm also updating the website as well to make that easier for everyone to find podcasts as well with the drop-down menu with directors and have all the directors and writers, all the writers will be there, etc, etc. I'm updating that very soon and getting merchandise ready for you because... Hey, who doesn't like good merchandise from a podcast they like to listen to? And if you do like listening to this, which obviously you do because you're listening, and if it is your first time, welcome and please join us more. Um, then do subscribe to us. It does mean the world to us on iTunes. Give us a nice review and tell your friends this is how we grow. Okay, let's get to it. This is part two of our very special Make Your Film Online Summit, How to Survive during COVID-19 coronavirus and how you can get through it and also how you can go out there and make your film okay this is myself uh, fellow host dom lamoir and robbie mccain joining finn glynn and jack binder on this week's mashup between the filmmakers podcast and the make your film events enjoy now we have finn's fantastic windows so we'll hello. say hello to Finn. Hey Finn, thank you How so you doing? much for joining us. So people know who Finn is, just to clarify, if you've just joined us, um, his films that he's produced, um, they include Underdogs, That Good Night, Killer Retreat, Mad to be Normal, You, Me and Him starring David Tennant, uh, Waiting for Anya, The Intruder and End of Term, and most recently Dorman with Ruby Rose and Jean Reno. Uh, welcome so much Finn, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. How are you surviving the lockdown? How is uh, everything at your end? We it's pretty easy. I mean, we've got you know enough garden space to sort of get some sun. Uh, we've got a, a spare bedroom so I can go away and, and work. We've got, um, yeah, we're fine. We're fine where we are. We've got a nice green outside. We have a dog. 
Uh, so we have an excuse to go out every day. So, uh, and you know, same as almost everyone here, work from home. So it's, re- it's really very, very little disruption for me. Um, and and in, in terms of the industry, what's your, what's your take on how things are at the moment in terms of, you know, emails, correspondence, phone calls? Obviously, projects are being put on hold, but... Yeah, so, I mean, we were supposed to be, as, as, as you know, we were supposed to be going off to Cambodia to shoot something. Mm. In China. And, and that was really fascinating to watch the whole situation sort of slowly unwind because we were looking at Asia thinking, are we going to be able to film there? And that was the first reaction. And then two weeks later, you know, it's sort of getting towards Europe. And then the insurers are saying, well, we're not going to insure anything you know, to do with coronavirus. And that makes everything difficult. And sort of um, everything begins to unravel there. But sort of as, as it moves further across, when, when we were getting there, everyone in America was going, well, actually, it's, everything's still fine here, so don't worry. And then, you know, a week later, America had it. And our partners in Latin America were saying, well, everything's you know, fine still here. So it was, it was interesting to watch it gradually sort of move westwards um, and, and it sort of, yeah, it sort of, it sort of uh, the, the disruption followed it in, in that same way. So I think the industry actually closed down slowly, uh, sort of in a sequence. So, um, so it has been frustrating, uh, especially considering mm. in Asia and then Asia was no longer the problem, Europe was the problem and then America was the problem. And, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been disruptive to that end, but people are still responding to emails. It's, I think some people are reacting to it differently to one another. I mean, some actors are desperate to read, read, read. Some agents are desperate to read, read, read. And some are just saying, well, there's absolutely no point making any commitment right mm. now. When this thing comes out, we don't know how further down the line it's going to be. We don't know what their commitments are still going to be. Everything's going to bunch up or some things will fall over. So it's, it's a good time to get people to read things, but it's a terrible time for them to commit. And I, and I guess I guess that's that's one of the potential pitfalls, especially in the sort of the Hollywood end, is that you, you often um, well I, I think we're going to have a lot of situations where actors are sort of the agents are sort of signing up and saying yes they're potentially free for this and they're interested and you know sometimes you do get them on hold when they're never really going to commit. Now you're going to have that tenfold because there's going to be so many opportunities for them waiting at the other end. So it's going to be it's going to be a tricky time to actually green light projects fully. I think. Um, after this, I don't know if you agree. I oh, know I absolutely agree, and I, and I also think that I mean one of the things that I'm interested to see is whether there's going to be a sort of a redistribution of value. I mean these actors that we're talking about and their their, their schedules are going to bunch up, um, and it's going to be harder to get that window in there. But as um, uh, as Colin I think was saying, your independent movie is not going to play in the cinema straight away now, right? Because all those movies are going to bunch up. So are you still making a movie with this idea that it's going to be a theatrical movie, or are you now making it thinking it's going to go on Netflix? At which point should you still be spending the same amount to get your leading actor? Because you know the, the there is there is still this sort of hangover idea um, of who can open a film and who can't open a film, and who's going to get people out of their houses to go watch a movie, and that's to a point what you're paying for. You're paying for the talent, you're paying for the time, but you are also paying for the idea of this person is going to get people to pay for, for cinema tickets. If that's not the case, will there be a redistribution of value to, to lesser known actors who are just very very good? And the idea of sort of put, putting it out on the internet, SVOD, BOD, whatever. And then it becomes about story, doesn't it? And I mean, I think it's always been the case that exceptional films do make it through and it, it kind of does sort of burst past that concept that if you don't have a big name, you can't make your film a success. Um, and obviously the Sundance winners and, and such like, were, you know, sort of pretty good evidence of that. But I think, you know, what you're saying is, is, is very correct and there probably will be, a big resurgence in very successful, well-thought-out indie films because of the, the lack of talent, I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, I suppose this year you're going to have less 
festival breakouts because you can have mm. like, um, I mean, so far the only major casualty has been South by Southwest and, and, and now can, mm-hmm. but you know, that, that's, that's, that's one of the sort of the, the routes through uh, to breaking out that's now gone. I suppose. Yeah. And what do you think, what do you think is the, the best uh, thing to do for people now who have got a film, they were just about to go or they're halfway through shooting. What do you suggest is the best thing to do for them right now? Well, so halfway through shooting, I mean, it's tough, and, and it really will depend on on how robust your your insurance and your bond were and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think a lot of I, I would expect that there will be some films that are going to struggle to get back to shooting. I think some films are going to take a lot longer to shoot. I know someone who had a movie filming in Morocco, and I think they had three days left to film of an eight week shoot, or so it was something like that. Yeah, but their leading actor is a very much you know he's a man in demand, and to pick pick up those three days, get them out to Morocco, get everything ready. Um, I mean, you, it's, it's threading through the eye of a needle. So for them, I think it, it's problematic. For other people, it's, it's all going to really depend on what the structure of that project was. I mean, we, had a, we have a number of adaptations in the works. And you look at those and you think, well, there's option periods that are going to lapse and you're going to have to renew those options. And, yeah. uh, you know, how, how much goodwill are you going to get from, from, from the authors and, and all the, the agents or what have you? And so, and so that, I mean, that, that is another sort of tricky thing. If it's your own script, then I think you push back. I mean, I think I think one of the the strange feelings for me at the moment is that you know over the last four years we've done however many movies, but you know you wrap on a movie and you, the next day you start on whatever the next thing's going to be, right? Like, however slowly and uh, how, however gradually, but you are always building up to a movie. And I think right now it feels as though for the first time for me in four years I'm not building up to a movie in in the same way. You know, it's it, it's it's really quite passive um, and. On the one hand, it's frustrating because you're built for a certain thing. On the other hand, um, it's quite cool. It's quite nice. <laughs> it's quite nice that there's, there's not a bunch of people relying on you to, uh, to sort of push this thing through. Uh, I mean, we were close, I think, uh, to, I, I would hope we were fairly close to closing on a movie, this one that we're going to shoot in June. That's going to push. Um, we're lucky that it's not weather dependent, so it can push to any time later this year or next year. And everyone's on the same team. The actors are all, you know, pretty relaxed about it. The, the author of that one's pretty relaxed about it. So I think we're fairly lucky on that one. Um, but then you're still looking at it and you're thinking, well, when do you push back to when is safe? Are you, are you pushing to October? Are you pushing 12 months? Um, when is it going to be safe? And Cause, I, cause, yeah, because you, you have to think, like, is it worth making the, you know, the risk of sort of actually physically pushing it back to a certain date and then that date falling through again? Or do you want to save that pushback until you know close to the time? So it's, it's a bit of a gamble, I suppose, in, in some yeah, respects. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, another thing will depend on how good your relationships are with your with your overall team. I mean, if you if you are if you are able to pick up the phone to your leading man, that's incredibly helpful. If you're going through to an agent, um, I think it's a bit more convoluted. And and I also think it really will question how much people want to do stuff. You know, and that's. That's, that's a question you never want to be asked because you always feel lucky to get your big star or what have you. Mm. And like you say, now they're all bunching up and they're all suddenly October comes and they're all going, right, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. And suddenly your, your lead yeah. actor has gone and, on and, to the other projects. And, and, and I, mean, I, I suppose like now, now more than ever, there's a good chance to try and build up relationships if you don't have them with those kind of people because you are going to have to know whether they're, you know, you're going to have to know a little bit about them and whether they are reliable or whether they're going to be stringing you along or whether they're going to be on your side and they, they really appreciate your project. So I think it's a good time to, to get to know those people. And you've also got to think that, you know, however, however well off a lot of these top dog actors are, I mean, everyone's going to need some money because no one's going to be earning anything for however long it's going to be. And so you, you sort of do look at the, at the, at the one-week, two-week cameo roles and think perhaps 
you know, and now I've got a better chance at those roles because those guys are going to want to come out and work and try and catch up and all that sort of stuff. So it's, I mean, it's, it's such an unknown, I think, is the truth. Um, there, there's so many contradictory things that your mind goes through and trying to ra- rationalise it and counter-rationalise it. And people and, still... And just, sorry, go on. I was going to say, are people still sending you scripts now? Are you still looking at stuff? Is this the time, or are you, like you say, you've just sort of gone, I'm backing off for a bit? No, no, not at all. No, so, I mean, we're, we're backing off on, 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 on the idea of trying to get something away. I mean, I think that's unrealistic. We're definitely reading. In fact, we, 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 we're sort of active, actively looking for sort of new stuff that we can look at. Uh, we are developing our own ideas um, with, with people that we like. Um, we have something, we have a mad idea that we think we can actually film in the next few weeks. That we that isn't about the situation, but is but, wow. um, but is just a sort of a you know a situational comedy that we think we can still we can still make work, uh, or at least we're trying to make it work. And if if it's not successful, then at least we've we've done something with our time rather mm-hmm. than being around twiddling our thumbs. Because um, I think it is important to sort of stay active, I guess. Um, but yeah, so no, we're we're still doing absolutely everything except making films. I guess. It's great. And that project you mentioned, sorry, Dom, that project you mentioned there, is it something you can, you believe you can actually shoot in a couple of weeks or a month's time? Is that, is you're prepping it for, suddenly we get the all clear that we can go out again? Is that the idea? We're going to try and do it right now. I mean, it's, it, we have absolutely zero idea if we can achieve it, but at the same time, it's not going to cost us anything. So why wouldn't we take that game? Great. Good. It might be awful. It might be crap. It might be dreadful. Um, and someone, I, I think someone I'm working with on it is on this call. So, I hope that's given them a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it could be crap, could be awful. That's brilliant. That's good. Could be amazing. Dom. Could be amazing. Uh, I was just going to say, um, we had a question from Kareen, um, which kind of ties into you know the cameo route and what's the likelihood of starring in your own script? Uh, this seems to put producers off straight away because they want a name. Do you think the cameo route to get a name in if you want to be the lead is, is the route or do you have another suggestion for that? What's your thoughts? It's, it's horses for courses. Everything's different. Um, I, I think that the idea of a cameo is it, it can be weaponized in various different ways. I think if, if your idea is for you to be, well, for anyone, doesn't I mean, I, I, I suppose it's there's two points at play there. The first is, is it worth getting a cameo to get your film made? And the, the, the idea of putting yourself in it or not is 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 is, is sort of a, a byproduct to a point because you know you can put an unknown that could be yourself or someone else. But the idea of getting a cameo is. I think the cameo should push you over the line. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be your your bread and butter. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be the engine room. It should be something auxiliary. Um, mm. So so uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, I think I think it's to do with that with with acting. But then I, I suppose the question there then then is relevant to to budget. Like if you want to write something that you can act in yourself and you hundred percent want to make, then make something that's cheap and achievable. If you want to be a bit more ambitious and you think you've got a really strong project, then try and attach some talent in the supporting role. Um, but it, you know, I, I know several people that have been in that situation. It's it's always been a struggle for them. Um, but you know, no more unachievable than anything else. And, and and again, it's one of those weird things where you, the more that you have meetings, the more opinions that you, you tend to absorb. And you know, I'm sure that, that you will go into meetings with sales agents, and there will be a handful of sales agents who will say, "You need to get Bruce Willis to to be the waiter at lunch, and that's great. We're golden. We'll get a wide release." And, and there will be some people who will say there is absolutely no point doing that whatsoever. And so, so it's, it, it really does break down into really, really specific individual project factors. Um, and, and, and to a point, you should follow your sales agents because they know who they can sell to, you know? Or they yeah. think they, who they can sell to. 
yeah who they think um so let's let's talk about finding projects then for you because there's a lot of screenwriters here a lot of filmmakers who are either made a first film or they're about to or they're, they're carrying on with their journey uh, to get projects to someone like you to get noticed to get um seen for, for someone like you what's the best way for people to go about that well, we we've now got someone who is our development executive we, we we've sort of we've tried to be all grown up and have a company and have employees which is mm. a fascinating thing within itself um, and I think that the best way for us really is to go is to go through through him, and you know he takes submissions and, and he'll, he'll he's a very quick reader and he'll read almost everything and if it's good it'll get pushed up. I think that we generally try and look more at the person than the project initially. Um, so we we have some people that we've worked with before and that will go. We we kind of fancy doing something with X or Y or what have you. Um, what's a good thing for us to do with them? What's a natural thing for us to do with them? Does it fit in with what we're trying to do? And then we'll explore that project a bit. I mean, when I first did, uh, the first year I did Mad to be Normal was 2016, I think. Um, I took myself off to LA and, and basically doorstopped every single agency for about two months with, you know, with the money that I've been paid from that film. And, and all I did was I went and saw as many agents that would see me, junior agents, agents, assistants, any proper agents that I could. Um, and, and they would put me in touch with people who they thought were, were giving out good, uh, good, good projects. And I think one of the interesting uh, changes between the UK and the American um, industry is, is, is one simple word, which is taste. Everyone in America talks about taste and no one in the UK, well, that's not true. Less people in the UK talk about taste. And it's such a crucial thing because mm. the challenge in the UK is to get your film made. And the challenge in America seems to be to make a good film because there's a lot of stupid money in America that will help you make lots of films that aren't necessarily as well thought through as others. So, so when you go out there, they talk about taste a lot and they say, well, I think your taste is like this guy. And you start getting you know, introduced to these people and you come back and then you get pitched a bunch of scripts from the agencies, from the lit agencies. And, and I think that was a big thing for, for, for me personally, because you suddenly have these scripts that just feel a little bit more um, uh, punchy, I suppose. But, you know, those scripts came from somewhere as well. Those script writers came from somewhere as well. So, yeah. And what's, what's the importance in terms of pitch decks, um, you know, in, in terms of either someone pitching to you or you pitching externally as a sort of a producer. Um, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in getting packs together because you can you can kind of get your foot in the door with something that looks, you know, a very high level of professionalism, whereas they might not read your script because it's a, you know, it's a big thing to take under, whereas a pack might be short. What's your what's your kind of approach to that side? I think pitch decks are amazing. And, and, I, and you know, if something looks, as you say, if something looks really good when it comes in, you're going to be engaged by it. You're going to give it a bit more attention. Um, I'm personally absolutely dreadful at making them. Um, so I tend to rely on other people to help me make them for our projects. But, um, but no, I think, I think they're really, really important. Um, mm. Because you might have an amazing deck and a crap script, but the ch chances are if you have an amazing deck, you'll have a crap script that was at least read. <laughs> no, that's that's so true. I spend, I spend a lot of time doing pitch decks and making them look good. And I sometimes, for me as a director, I do it because it's actually really good for me. So I know the exact colours I want. I know the images I want. I know the sound that I'm putting in there. You know, if you put links to uh, things that will sound like it, and I think it's really useful as directors. Um, and I'm sure Dom, you agree the same thing. You yeah. suddenly your vision is now there. It is. That's what I want to make. Uh, and for you, Finn, is that really? it's kind of good to see you kind of see what the director or the screenwriter is trying to get across. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. So some of them, some of them go pretty, pretty strange directions. And, and actually it's a, it's a good point. If you get something that feels really fudgy, 
immediately. If you get a pitch deck that really doesn't feel particularly well thought out, aesthetically pleasing, um, then then you're immediately put off everything. So, um, so so I suppose that is a really interesting way of at least getting an idea that the director has a clear vision of what they think it's going to look like. <laughs> has, has has going back to that lovely American word has a similar taste palette to yourself because you do want to see those comps. They don't have to be written up as comps necessarily, but when you get to the page of the actors, you know, if, if there's an actor that you like that they want for the lead, then at least you sort of think, well, we've got something in common here. Yeah, um, absolutely. And just to, to jump in to explain what a pitch deck is in case someone doesn't know this I'm just, is... I just wrote... Oh, okay. <laughs> I just literally just wrote it down, but never mind. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah. It's basically a vision pack. It's got images that of other films or colours, all sorts of bits and pieces. Maybe there's references to other films. You'll have links in there. It's basically your personal... Bible of what the film is about and what it's similar to, even though you try not. And, to and it much. and it kind of marries up. Um, it marries up the story and the commercial. So if you're you're sort of showing it to investors, they can see films that are similar. Like they can they can see examples. Okay, I've seen this at the box office. I've seen this. I can see how your product relates to these things that have made money. I can see how this person has done this, and that's why they're a credible, investable person, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you can kind of build the mood of the, of the film as well, which someone reading us, not everyone is a creative who reads a script, and it might make them an easier journey to think, okay, this is interesting. But, but, yeah, but also, I mean, the thing is, if you're, if, I suppose if you're in my seat where, where you're the producer and you're across, let's say, you know, 10 projects in any state of, uh, of production. So you've got, maybe you've got something in, in post-production, you've got two or three things that you're hoping to shoot in the next years, and you've got things that are really early on in, in, in development, then, then, it, then it really does help to sort of get a bigger, a bigger and more direct picture of, of what you're being pitched, because you might just read it quickly and not really sort of, you know, probably engage with it. And I think that's one of the biggest problems is that we are so busy getting a read out of someone. It's a, it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know, just someone to sit down and I, I'm very bad at reading things quickly unless yeah. I'm motivated about them. So, Absolutely. And a, and a pitch deck can help you because then it can explain how the synopsis and the longer synopsis and you can get a good idea of whether this film is for you straight away, right? It also tells you the market. You know, if, if, if you're doing a pitch deck correctly and you've really sort of thought it through, you should look at how other films in that sort of space have, have fared. Because if you're trying to pitch a film where there's been six or seven similar movies, and they've all won, you know, a few gold rosettes, but none of them have made any money. That's a tough sell. But if, if you've got an idea, which is something that has been done before and done successfully and made money and been well-received or made money and not been well-received, then, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good way for a, for a producer to cut through it all and sort of see where he, where, where he thinks you're going with it. That's great. And um, in terms of working with uh, a screenwriter, then you've now uh, attached a project or you've, you've taken on a project that you like, that your script readers have read and you have, and suddenly, yeah, let's develop this. What's your process then from there of maybe working with the script a little bit, with the screenwriter, maybe developing it a bit? What do you do there to help the screenwriter or to put your ideas across to them? Well, I suppose what you would, you would sort of expect from the screenwriter to give them that, you know, their treatment of what this thing's going to be. So let's say we, we, we do a novel, we get the novel, and then we would expect them to do a, a vision idea, sort of a treatment of how they intend to turn this, um, this, this book into a movie. And then you work on that for a little while, and then they start doing a pass, and, and then you sort of really get into it. I mean, we're fairly, I would say that we're fairly hands-on in how we do it, but it's also, you, you, you do also have to always be prepared for the fact that your voice is going to be one of 10 to 15. So, so you, 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 one of the questions is, how much do you want to develop it before you pass it on? Because, because if, you, if you really want to get it pitch perfect, it can take years and years and years. And I know that for some people, that's the way to do it. But for other people, it's, 
let's get it to a point where we want to work with this guy. Let's get it to that guy and let's see how what he's going to do with it. Because ultimately, it's we want to make this, but we want to make his version of this, not necessarily our own. Yeah, which is very true because you can get collaborators come on, whether that's a director or another producer, and quite substantial uh, developments will happen to it anyway. Um, and it's not it's not always about how polished it is or how perfect. It's about them putting their own mark on it. So it's, I guess it's what you're kind of getting at is make sure it's at a level where it interests people and it has its own feel, but leave room to collaborate if that's kind of the the angle you're going to, like say if we go into a studio or something. And it, it, it's such a wild process. I mean, we had we had one project where we brought in, um, or, or hopefully in the process of bringing in a director that we very much like, and the agent immediately picks up the phone and says, actually, you're going to have to use one of my writers to do a rewrite if you want this director to do it. And it, it, it's such a quagmire, and you can get so lost in it, that I think that, yeah, the less time you can spend really, really fine-tuning it and sort of drilling down into it, uh, the better, you know, because it's a, it's a collaboration. Mm. What about um, investors right now? Are they they running away or are they just scared of the market? And and if you are, to, to double up the question, and if you are pitching to them just generally, uh, what's the best way to do this with your pitch packs and your waterfalls and your investment? What what would you do as well? First of all, obviously, there's two questions there. So the first one about um, uh, investors at the moment and are they running away? I think from, from where I'm sat, I have absolutely no idea where the investors are in their own heads because this thing is... We don't know if we're at the peak of it yet. We don't know if we, you know, are we in act one, two or three of this thing, I guess is the question. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that everyone's in there with us. And I think there are going to be a number of investors that get cold feet. And that's not just private investors. That's, um, you know, the industry lenders. Um, what, what, you know, are all of the companies that are offering to buy your film and put MGs down, are they still going to be there when you deliver your film? Are they still going to be there when you come to close all of your contracts on the film? So, so I think everyone's pretty scared. And the idea of going to investors right now is not something that I'd really do. It just doesn't feel like, a, like the right time to be going to those guys and trying to close that. And, and I Cause think... Because you, yeah, you can't give them any concrete result, can you, really? No. no that, that's, that's what they need. At the very least, you know, we're, we're, there's, there's a few things going on right now. The, the sort of the heart of it is this lockdown situation. And I think that that is the first thing that needs to go before we even start talking about anything else. I mean, until you're able to work out what the insurance situation is going to be, um, then, I don't know, you're, I think you're chasing shadows slightly. So, 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 yeah, now is not the time that I'd go to an investor. So to answer, I have no idea um, what the investors are doing because I wouldn't ask them. Great, okay. What's the second part? Yeah, the second part was how would you generally just uh, talk to investors? What would you say? What you actually uh, showing them what you're delivering? I suppose there's a lot of filmmakers... Uh, listening and watching who want to know how they would actually approach the investors and what they're actually delivering to them at this stage an early stage I, I, I think much much as it is with with all the creatives as well actually you've got to sort of isolate what the what the, what the investor wants um you know because there are some people who want to take debt and there's some people who want to take equity and there's some people who want to take really specialized things like you know score or tax credits or whatever else um so, so I think that you, you need to work out what they want. And equity, which is, of course, the risk money, that the, you know, the last out, you've got to work out whether they are doing it because they want to make a movie, they're doing it because they're passionate about this project, or they're doing it because they think it's a business opportunity. And, and chances are you'll probably get a little bit of all three of those things. So you really need to work out what they're looking for and then try and tailor the pitch to them for that. So if all they want to do is have a bit of fun, then, then this is pitch A. If they want to make a serious business strategic decision, then here's choice B or two or whatever I can't remember I said. So it, it, really it's that. Really it's about trying to find out what they want and seeing how best you can facilitate that by 
still asking them for money, but, but making it as, as appealing as possible. Do they want an EP credit? Do they want to fly out to the set? You know, um, or do they just do they just have a lot of faith in this? Or is it, are they passionate about this particular subject? And that that's really what you need to work out because you will go to, with with estimates and you will go with your actors and you will go with, but it, but really know what they want before you pitch them. And is that something you just ask them? Is that something you just happily just go? So what is it you're looking for out of this this project as a whole? If you're very bold, you can, but I think that you really <laughs> need to try and do it without directly asking. If you can, if you can't, then you have to ask directly. But you know, try and try and ascertain what they're looking for without that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you. Um, and what about budgets at the moment? Then is it still is it a good time for people to sit and be really working out their budgets and uh, and going through that process at the moment as well as the pitch decks? I think it's really important for people to be working on their below the line costs. I think that that's 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 a really important thing to do right now to make sure that what you need to make it you will have uh, and that you can make it. Cool. Um, and so uh, everyone knows below the line costs are not your your main sort of actors and your main headliners. Uh, below the line cost is pretty much everything else. Yeah. So so you know don't try and work out what you can pay an actor, and probably don't work out what you can pay yourself, and you know don't work out what you can pay the producer, director, writer, whichever one you want. Um, I mean, that, that's really what you should be looking at. And, and take a chance to go and look at where you can film it as well. I mean, you know, because, because a below-the-line budget or any budget is only a budget where you're setting it and, and how you're making it. So, you know, if you, if, you, if you think about your story and you think, actually, I can make this in Fiji, well, the good news is that they've got a great rebate. It's quite cheap. So, so, so maybe that's a, a different way of spending your time. Because that, I, I, that's, that's, a, that's a very good point, actually, just, just to touch on that briefly, is that like all around the world there are like 40% tax breaks in various countries. So you know, that's, that's very worthwhile if you're, if you're thinking of making something abroad that is, you know, look at the in- industry and the infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's a really good uh, uh, place to, to spend your time right now because trying to work out what you're going to pay an actor, I think you are chasing your tail, unless, unless they are some way absolutely wedded to your project and so passionate that, you know, you can pay them a bag of peanuts and then, then it's a very difficult sort of sum to try and create. And, and talking of actors and all that good stuff, is how do you attach actors generally? Are you going direct through agents now? Have you got enough reputation? And how did you first start off doing that and approaching bigger names to be in your projects? Um, we the first project we, we we cast one actor through um, an intermediary, a friend of mine who knew them, and the moment we had that particular actor, we suddenly had two other actors from their agency, um, and we didn't use a casting director on that film because we had it, it, it sort of it just sort of you know uh, snowballed from there actually, and then when it came to the second film, we'd never used a casting director, so we didn't really know anything else other other than that, and so really, I mean, we've done films where we've just been hired to cast it now. Which is which is which is an interesting experience. Um, so yeah, we tend we tend to cast it ourselves, um, but that's not to say I wouldn't work with a casting director. I just haven't worked with one yet. I'd love to at some point see what that's like. Um, but yeah, no, for us, it's I think we're in a place where we can pick up the phone to a few agents at least. Um, is, there, is there anything you you felt that you had to have achieved in your in your career? Was it kind of working with David Tennant and people like that and Elizabeth Moss? Or was it just like long-term relationship building, keeping in touch with them, finding out what they're up to, that kind of thing? That's exactly it. And I mean, it's, I've, I've been doing this for sort of four years now. And actually, strangely enough, some of the junior agents that you sort of get put talking to, if you've got a, if you've got a sort of a marquee actor, and, but you're making a smaller film, a lot of the time you'll get put in touch with a lot of the day-to-day with the, with the agent's assistant. But even in four years, those guys now have their own lists and they have a couple of guys that they're, or girls that, 
that they're now looking after who sort of kicked on. And so really it's trying to grow with your friends is, is, a, is, a, is a genuinely quite a big thing. And, you know, if you've got a friend who's at um, one, of the, one of the bigger agencies and, they, and they've grown in their career, then and you're still trying to work with them and bring their younger and less experienced actors in where you can, then you want someone else at the agency that isn't with them, then they're much more likely to pick up the phone and say, hey, will you speak to my friend? You know, he's got a cool project. And that's, that's actually a very good point as well, because a lot of the time, unless you do have like a hotline to, to the direct agent, it will be the, um, the assistant that will pitch for you. It won't be your pitch going to them. It will be their version of your pitch who will be going to their own uh, boss. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's down to how much they're impressed with you, whether they're going to fight for your project, um, you know, to, to sort of really push it and say, I think this one's really good. You should read it over a hundred other people. Yeah. And what, and what about working with directors then yourself as a producer? How's your process there in terms of, you know, the whole prep production and then on set and then also in post? Um, what's your process working with directors and what should producers do? I don't really know what producers should do. I think in my experience, it's been such a variation on how, on how directors have been. You know, we've, we've had a director who's tried to cut us out of the, the editing room and said, We're not, you're not seeing anything until I have a cut. And, you have other uh, directors who are, sh- who are sending you absolutely everything they have the minute they have it to try and sort of collaborate on it. And I think that really it's about trying to find the best working relationship to, to, to sort of, number one, keep things moving. You know, don't, don't be a roadblock because ultimately you've got to get the film finished. Um, and, and sort of try and, where you can, in, in, in my experience, try and work with them to what's going to make them most comfortable and most confident in, in the job that they're doing. Don't try and second guess them. Don't try and put them on the back foot. Um, don't make them nervous, uh, but also when it, when the time comes that you do see the film, if there's stuff you don't like, be as be as direct as you possibly can be in the most polite way you possibly can be. Um, but yeah, I think it's it, you know I'm a producer that tries to support the director, even if um, even if uh, it's uh, a tricky situation. Great, uh, Finn, that's amazing. I know you've got. Thank a, you very much, Finn. Go uh, look after your kids. Should we bring Robbie in for a second? We might have a lovely question from our audience. I'm going to unmute you and bring you in, Robbie, before you go, Finn. But we really appreciate your time. Uh, absolutely, it's got darker and darker in our rooms as well, hasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you can't even see each other. Uh, hey, Robbie, we got a good one. Hey, uh, yeah. So we've got one from from James, who's asked. He's looking to shoot soon, and do you think we need to be careful about filming at the moment in case uh, we're accused of not following government guidelines? Yes. Say. Yeah. Yes, I think absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that you, you mean you, you, you know, you get slapped with a fine if you go out and try and film somewhere you, you you shouldn't be. I mean, what what we're talking about filming at the moment would be, um, would would uh, would be in that in the home in the garden in in, in you know sort of uh, land belonging to people involved. Um, it, we, we, I would really not encourage anyone to sort of break any of the guidelines and go out and do anything. Great. Super. Robbie, we've got another one. I've got one from Chris and he's asking, are film festivals still the best route for undiscovered writers? And are there any other routes you might suggest? Um, I mean, I, 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 I'm not having, not sort of ever been a writer. Of, um, I, it's, it's a tough one for me to ask. I, 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 I still think agents are a good place to go to. I mean, and, and going back to what I was saying about the actors agents, if you junior literary agent, to read your thing, then then those guys are going to be agents pretty soon. So so you know if, if if you if you feel slightly on the on the on the lower rung of the industry, try and talk to other people who are sort of you know uh, who are open to talking to you. Um, and, and I think those junior agents read a lot, and that's not a bad place to start. But having never written anything, it's tough for me to say. Brilliant. Thank you, Finn. This has been amazing. Thank Fantastic. you so much. Fantastic. Thank time. you so much. Yeah.
Thank you very much. Take care, Finn. We'll speak soon. All right. Perfect. Uh, that was Finn, everyone. Finn Galin, uh, amazing producer, and I hope you learned something from that. Uh, shall we bring on our wonderful last guest? Dom, what are you saying? I think we should, yes. Uh, he's been Oscar nominated for best, uh, his film um, First Reformed, which starred Ethan Hawke, Amanda Seyfried, um, was Oscar nominated for best original screenplay. He's also produced The Upside of Anger with Kevin Costner, um, which for New Line Cinema, Rain Over Me, starring Adam Sandler and Don Cheadle, which is fantastic and so much fun. And Donald Sutherland was in there as well. Also, Man About Town, Ben Affleck uh, starred in, and John Cleese. He did that for Lionsgate. And The Mind of the Married Man is a HBO original series which starred Colin Firth, Alan Rickman, Rebecca Roman and Bill Paxton. Jack, welcome. Hello, hello, thank you. I'm trying to turn off this background. I don't know. How I, love you. Oh, I, thought, I thought you actually were there. That's <laughs> you know, that, down on the beach, huh? Hi, guys. <laughs> that is fantastic. Bring some, bring some optimism in. The only way it doesn't look real is when you move because it gives it the weird head look, basically. Okay, I'll, stay, I'll stand still. There you go. Yeah, basically, <laughs> Jack's got a CGI uh, screen behind him. Um, yeah, I think you've just got to go in settings and change it, but it looks great, Jack. You look great. I'm, I'm enjoying the palm trees, so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll leave you it. Do, I'll you leave do, it you do. <laughs> hey, guys, how you doing? How's everybody holding up? Yeah, Good. we're holding up. Yeah, we're all holding up. And I think everyone in the group is as well. And I think they're all, you know, very grateful for everyone's time uh, and especially yours. Tell us what it's like over in LA at the moment and the feeling and everything like that and what everyone's journey is right now with this whole pandemic. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, you know, first and foremost, I just hope everybody's safe, taking this very seriously. I uh, hope everyone's uh, family, loved ones are well. I wish everyone well. And just really everybody, it's, a, it's an important time to come together, support each other as we're doing here, as you guys are doing wonderfully here. And, uh, and be safe and take this deadly seriously. This is the most contagious thing I've ever seen in my life. And there's just too many people around the world not taking it seriously. So I just mm. start out by saying that. Take care of each other. Take care of your health and take this extremely seriously and make, you know, and spread that message out. Um, it, it's so important. Uh, a lot yeah. of people think they're immune to it. There's a lot of misinformation out there uh, mm. about who can get it. And if you're young and healthy, you're safe. But not understanding your you could be a carrier and taking it to grandma so it's true it's true and there is a lot of misinformation jack you're right and i think the mm -hmm. same in the film world as well there's a lot of misinformation what's the word on the street with uh, the film world in la at the moment and producing? yeah how's the industry well there's no word on the street as you can imagine <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's <quite empty. laughs> yeah um, imagine it's no, it's it's a it's a bizarre time. It's a very strange, strange time right now, as you can imagine. Um, you know, it's it's nine eleven all over again. If for people who are old enough to remember that, and it's two thousand eight all over again uh, in some regards. So it's we're in very uncharted territory. Um, I think everybody's just trying to make their way. And figure it out. To be honest, uh, I don't think. That obviously, there, there were never any strong answers in the, to begin with. So now, even less so. Um, what What are you kind of doing in terms of projects that you had in development, or that you were kind of quite close to to moving ahead with, or green lit? Are you still keeping conversations going? Um, what's your kind of approach on that side? 
Yeah, you know, well, my message to, to everyone is, is, you know, same as it's always been in this industry, and even more so now, is just keep moving, staying vigilant, staying motivated, and perseverant, and staying strong, and, and you know, the, the long run. And here we are, and, and it's the same today. So moving everything forward, staying motivated, staying focused uh, is what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I had projects that got shut down. Um, who knows when they're going to start back up again? You know, spent years getting them going, and here we are. So, the, but, the, but, you know, this is a crisis. So you've got to improvise, keep moving. Uh, on the development side, I'm keeping all my projects moving forward. Do you know? Very focused. This is a time. This is a in a in a sense. Take away the tragedy and the crisis and how awful this is. It's a blessing in that it gives everybody a moment to pause and really look inside what they're doing and focus on it. And that's what I'm doing. I mean, I'm using this time very productively, and I, I suggest everybody watching uh, does the same this is this is a kind of a gift <laughs> that you can just focus on your production your work your script your development so uh i'm you know stay motivated it's my message so, so so how do you how do you go about developing projects whether that's kind of taking on a script or an idea do you have a commission writers uh you know do you use pitch decks like what's your kind of process obviously you've got film budget as well which is your your whole company that does a lot of services so i just wondered what your approach is as a producer yeah um i'm pretty streamlined i'm pretty i'm an independent producer i was on a lot at disney and on a lot of columbia pictures and the studio system and i go back and forth in and out i still film for a24 as you know and but I'm also an independent producer, so it goes back and forth, very streamlined. I don't have a big staff. Uh, I have people come and go that work with me. I have a lot of colleagues around the world that I collaborate with, uh, but I'm pretty streamlined. So I, I have my set of projects in development, production, pre-production, financing, and I just focus on moving those forward at all times. You know, it's... I. I like into an echelon, you know, you just got to move everything forward. <laughs> Keep the echelon moving. <laughs> um, and I'm, you I'm tripping out looking at that. I know, look <laughs> at that. It's kind of really <laughs> trippy screen that you've got. Um, you mentioned there about... My green, my, my green screen, uh, Gaffer and Gaffer just kind of like... Occasionally it looks like there's a parrot behind your head. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned about you're still, you're still working now and you're still developing and you're still doing whatever you can can you go a little bit into detail about what that is and what our um, fellow filmmakers and listeners can do uh, right now well uh, it, it, you know i've got several projects so it, it varies from one to one uh, each one most important is is the script you know so this is a good time to really focus on the script you know i've got a couple of doing rewrites that uh you know just taking the time to really make sure it's polished and in good shape. You know, the last thing you ever want to do is send out a script that's not ready. That's the kiss of death. Yeah. So, you know, so many people, I get, I get, I used, you know, I'm, I don't look at so much these days because I'm so full of projects, but I used to get so many scripts across my transom that just weren't ready. And, you know, I can't emphasize that enough. 
Get other people to read your script. Get friends to read your script. Get your family. Get your worst critics. Not people that are going to give you what you want to hear. The people who are going to be fiercely critical of what you're you're doing. And take that all on board. And you know, just don't go out to, with a script that's not ready. So to answer your question, I'm using this time to make sure I'm not going out with a script that's not ready. The same applies to you as well, doesn't it? Because yeah. uh, you know, you've you've got like probably hundreds of scripts that are sent to you all the time. If if you've got someone that you don't know particularly well that's trying to get their foot in the door with you and they send you a script and the first 10 pages are awful, uh, it's very unlikely you're going to ever give them another chance unless something drastically changes you know, ex- externally for that person. Um, so you're kind of blowing your chance, and that's, that's the reason for it, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. And it applies to me, like you said, it applies to me as well. If I go out with a script that's not very good, I'm never going to get my phone call picked up again by that person. Uh, you you only get one shot, with people. Really, you it's it's you know the famous adage: you only get one one chance to make the first impression, That's and so you got to make sure that it's good. So, using this time to really look at all the projects, to make sure can we use this time to be improving the script? Is there anything we can be doing to improve the script? How do we know when it's ready? How do screenwriters, how do we know as producers that it's ready? Because we could tinker forever. That's something that we've talked about a lot is you end up just constantly tinkering. How do you know as a producer when you feel it's ready to go out? Well, it's a good question and it's something to be careful about. I I am reluctant to go beyond that point and I'm very cognizant of that. You have to be that you don't get to a point where you're, you're ruining the script now. You're, you're over, overdeveloping it and overthinking it. I, I mean, it's a tough question. Backing up a bit, don't make a movie unless your screenplay is amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? So don't, if you don't think this is good enough, let's go. You're not, it's, there's no reason to do that unless you just want to make it in your, your back garden and you're happy with that and you yeah. put your dog in it. You know, it's, you, you have to, it's got to be amazing. It's got to be worthy of other people saying and spending their time and money to do it. So it's got to be amazing. So focus on that. And when you get it to a point, how do you not go in circles is, is what you alluded to is yeah. don't unravel it. I'm very, some, some scripts are more delicate than others, right? And some of them are woven by the writer. And, and that's why I'm reluctant that when producers come in, too much and try and interfere with the process. I think it should be the writer and the director. The producer has a lot of guidance on it, but if you get too many producers telling the director and the writer where to go with it, you, you can end up in a stew. And so, you know, one string you can pull on and, and the, the jumper can unravel. So, uh, you know, I, I'm always aware of that. You know, it, depending on the genre, um, some are more susceptible to that than others. Um, yeah. and, and how how many? I mean, say say if you've um, say if you've commissioned as a producer to sort of you've got an IP you're interested in, you're maybe adapting a novel or or a fiction book. Um, what's your process in terms of like getting notes for it? Like, do you have like do you wait for a second draft, give your own notes, then you wait for a third, and you send it to two or three people? Because um, you know it, it's if you send it to too many people, you get bombarded with notes before you've even fixed what you want to fix yourself. Um, so how do you sort of streamline and control that process of, of actually getting that feedback? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be, and I never am, 
afraid of getting too much feedback. You can't get enough feedback. It just get bombarded. That's the whole point. You want all different views. The, you know, movies are unique. Everybody's got an opinion about a movie. Mm-hmm. And if everybody's got a unique opinion and everybody has a valid opinion. And, you know, we, we used to, a long time ago when I first got in the industry, there used to be an era of we know what we're doing and we're really Hollywood. And yeah. Don't, don't you try and pretend that you know what you're talking about. And, and that's as you get wiser and older and gain more knowledge. And I think you realize, wait a minute, everybody's got a valid opinion. And don't discount anybody's opinion. So, you know, I've had great comments come from every person on the set that I'll take into consideration. You know, and likewise, my friends and my family and my colleagues, I'll take all their feedback. So especially if you're starting out, you're beginning in the industry, you're going out for perhaps the first, second, third time to certain colleagues, Make sure it's right. Get all the feedback. Don't be afraid to be bombarded with comments. And then you're gonna have to filter them. You know, you have to filter them out, and 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 see what the what's what's the common denominator. You know, mm. and that's actually a, a, a very good point as well. I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier, but you may get lots of different people give different suggestions for an area, but generally if five or six people have all given you the same area, you've got a problem with your script. You know, you've got to do something with it. Whereas right. if, if there's one unique note, then you might think, okay, yeah, maybe this is, maybe I don't agree with this. Maybe I do agree with it. And then you can look at it differently. I get, and I get that all the time. I get some people, everyone says one thing for sure. And I just know that's a problem. <laughs> if everybody says that, there's a problem. And that's why you're doing it. That's the process. You know, that's, yeah. that's the process of getting feedback because they're your audience. They're representative of your audience. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Jack. Um, let's talk about actually once you've got it developed and once you've you've now got it out there and, and you've maybe even shot it. Um, we're working with directors then. Uh, I suppose we just touched touched on that within, but it'd be really interesting to know your thoughts of working with screenwriters and directors as a producer and actors. What is your process there? How do you make everything come together and uh, be the gel that you need to be as a producer? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm going to say I'm, I'm just going to defer to everything Finn said. So he was, that was terrific. He was great. <laughs> he had great advice. And uh, I would really encourage people to take to heart what he, what he was talking about and saying because he, he really he, he nailed some good points uh, on that. Um, my approach is I like to support creative talent. And that's what a producer should do. I'm not one of these guys that wants to step all over the uh the creative process and and a lot a lot do you know a lot of you know producer the producer role is from zero to ten super creative running the show creatively zero no creativity and you know i'm you know somewhere in the 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 upper half of that but certainly not up toward a 10 level of being overbearing in the creative side so the my philosophy is to support the talent, support the director, support the director's vision as it fits into the overall concept of the project and it going to market and, and being a good film. Um, so you, as a producer, that's our role is to, to support the creative process and bring it to light. I mean, if you don't believe in it, 
you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're doing it for some other reason than, than you believe in the creative vision or you feel that your input's going to get the project to the right point where it's a, a, a creative success, then then you're, you're, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, and if you're, you know, at loggerheads with, with the creative the creative side, you know, maybe you don't have the right creative team mm. or not the right creative person for the project. So the answer is support your filmmakers, you know, believe in what you're doing. You know, it gets back to, to, to day one concept is passion for a project. You just got to have absolute passion for it. When there's no point in doing it. It's just too damn difficult. It, it absolutely is. It's really difficult. Working with <laughs> actors, it, it is. I'm working with actors as well then. You know, obviously getting Ethan Hawke and someone, you know, amazing like that uh, to work with you is is just incredible. Kevin Costner, you know, all these people. What's the process of, of approaching them? What's the process of actually working with them day to day? And any uh, pitfalls that we should learn from that, that we all want to achieve and, and work with these types of people? Yeah, you know, they're they're not easy. It's tough and it takes years. You know, one thing people it's so funny, I had I was working with some filmmakers, they said, you know what, we're just gonna go. We've been I've been working on this for two years and I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> well, Martin Scorsese waited thirty years to get silence made. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily he was making other films in between, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, some films take a decade, so it, it takes a lot of time. You're not going to get it overnight. And if you're going out, one thing to re- keep in mind, if you're going out to a, a big-name talent, you know, they're busy. They're booked. And as Finn mentioned or one of your other guests, you know, we're now we're in a hugely disruptive market and that was in a disrupted market to begin with. And it's kind of in a steady state of disruption these days every yeah. every, every year. So, uh, let me be straight. It's difficult <laughs> to answer your question. It's very difficult. The talent is in huge demand. Now, it was, it was really difficult before the entire world shifted to streaming with, with a vengeance, you know, before the billions were thrown at the, the market. So now you have this enormous amount of money going toward a smaller and smaller talent pool. So these people are busy. They're working. They're expensive. The rates are going up. Uh, so to answer your question, you've got to use every way you can to get to that talent. If you mm-hmm. have personal relationships, try and use those. Um, it's difficult, though. You know, a lot of people put too much weight on that. I know this person knows the trainer that knows, you know, the actor, and he's gonna. I'm gonna call him and see if I get him that script. I wouldn't put too much weight in that because someone who knows someone that they're not gonna be a funnel to that actor just because you want them to. So, All right? Okay. You know, it can happen, but you know. Don't depend on it. Finn nailed it the best. I think the best way is the agent and going to the agents are the best way. Working with the, with the assistant, the junior agents, and you know, making yourself uh, known, uh, approaching them, trying to get them to read it. Agents are the best way. I mean, if you, of course, there's a personal relationship directly with the actor that you can pick up the phone or the mobile and, and call them, then fine. But just you know, 
I wouldn't put too much. There's so much, so many times where people put so much reliance on. I know a yeah. guy who was a guy. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I suppose, I suppose the problem as as well um, for that is that the you know, say if you're an A-list actor and you've got your your friend that's like. I don't know, a second cousin or something, and he's he's always hitting you up every every third week with this brand new amazing script. Like within like one or two deployments of that, they're not going to take any notice anymore, and it, they're going to just it's not going to go anywhere, and it's going to you know probably sour your project. So you're going to be very aware of who who it is, and you know if they're actually if they have actually got a good connectionship anyway. Absolutely, and anyone with worth their salt will say, yeah, sure, have them call my agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no problem. Happy to. I, I had a great story. I was at a, what's the guy's name? The um, Topher Grace. I was at a party in Topher Grace, and I thought he was good for a role. And I, and I was there, and I said, ah, I'm just going to go for it. And I mentioned to him, and he was just so lovely. And he just went, you know, that's my agent over there, Jim. You really should meet him. You know oh, I, mean? I love it. I love it. <laughs> and it's just you know any actor will do that and any so any friend that mate that, that, that tries to pitch someone to him will probably do the same because they don't know his trainer doesn't know a good project but you know now never say never <laughs> use what you got yeah absolutely any any way in i suppose is what you're saying anyway yeah. which, which is a perfect question we've got a question here from jess gislasson who actually was in my knights of camelot film and he's a fantastic actor and uh, fighter as well he wanted to know how an actor like him would get on your radar obviously now he is because i've mentioned him on here but in terms of generally how actors like that would get on a producer's radar like yourself how would they go about that First of all, I wouldn't target producers. I target directors because <laughs> they're That's the ones true. who cast the film. Yeah, and uh, you know, producer could suggest you uh, to a director, but it's a director's decision. Um, uh, you know, there's some there's a million ways these days with uh, you know opportunities like this, uh, social media networks. Um, you know, I get a lot of emails from people that you know send their their, their materials in. Uh, reels, you know, connect, connecting, you know, people follow me at my Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash movie budget. And so they can, you know, make themselves known there. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a good question. I mean, stage 32 is a great site. Yeah. It's a big American site. Stage32.com. Yeah. I just can get on that. I mean, Creators, filmmakers. It's very good. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'd say now more than ever, we have incredible opportunities to, to make yourself known, to reach out to people through social media networks, I would say. Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes as well, like my, my, what I always say, if you're trying to get some notice as, a, as an actor is like, if you've done a, you know, a short film that's done really well at festivals and it's getting like really good feedback, send a film through because sometimes you might be more likely to, get a director or a producer to remember you from watching that than, you know, one show real amongst many um, as a sort of, as, a, as an email. And if, if it catches them, then they'll think, all oh, right, yeah, I remember them from that. And then that, that's, an, it's a, it's a more, it's an interesting route to go. And I've, I've sort of come across people through that route as well. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And people do that. People send me links through my social media networks with the, a link to their film. You take a look at my film or, mm look at my demo reel with headshots in there and 
yeah, I mean that's 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 a valid way to do it, you know, mm. definitely. And, yeah. You know, opportunities that didn't that didn't exist years ago. Mm. No, no, absolutely. Um, what 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 have you learned along your journey then that you've taken to every film? I suppose. I mean, I imagine you've every film's a learning curve. It definitely is. What have you learned from the beginning to now? And is there any advice you can give us and the people listening who are starting out? Ooh. Can you be more general? <laughs> well, well, you started in you started in independent films, didn't you? And yeah. you, you've worked in you've worked in the UK as well as um, the US. Um, when you were getting your first independent films made, you were trying to get to some of the you know the bigger actors. Say um, you were trying to sort of go through those uh, those challenges. Like, how did you sort of go from all right, I'm making a small film to all right, someone's kind of ready to give me a you know a chance and a break. Right. Yeah. No, it's see. Well, it's the screenplay. It all starts with the screenplay and being a great project. I started out in the uh, comedy world doing independent comedy uh, concerts and then eventually filmed one live and uh, through long, long story, but sold to HBO and uh, then came out, came out and started up in the business and worked my way up. Uh, through the ranks, uh, you mentioned England. I made four movies in in L- London, which I just loved. It's yeah, he did. Yeah. And uh, you know, I worked with my brother in the early days, and uh, he was a writer, and I'm the producer, and he was a writer, and then he was a director, and it, it just and he it's it started with the screenplay. You know, it, he's a fantastic writer. He's and he writes, and he rewrites, and he rewrites. So, you know, what's the takeaway and the, the underlying principle? Well, you got your mug. Show your mug. Uh, again. <laughs> well, this one, again. Hilarious. It's all the screenplay. It's all on the screenplay. It's all on the screenplay. Yeah. It's got to be great. Because mm. it doesn't uh, matter how good your film is, like how well you shot it or how well it's acted. If the story's not good enough, people always come back to that. It just doesn't mm. matter if you have the best shot in the world. Well, exactly. And we got lost in this world for a while. When we, when we switched to digital, we all got lost in this world of what camera am I going to use and what resolution. And, you know, we all got in this techie, geeky world of, that we were never thinking about before. It was a film camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was all you had to know. <laughs> so film camera. So what did you focus on? You focus on story and directing and talent, and uh, you know I think that's those are the those are the the strong principles that are most important. Absolutely. Is, you know I think we're over that hump now of talking about tech and how, what camera I'm going to use. You know sometimes that's first people's first comment to me is uh, yeah. oh, I'm going to shoot it with X. I'm like script screenplay. <laughs> Dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. <laughs> and an extension of that as well is like, you know, uh, going back to, I guess, everyone we've covered is if the script's good, if the, um, you know, the acting is good, great. But if you're an editor and the acting isn't good, it doesn't matter what you do. There's, there's no fixes. You can do so many fixes for continuity. Um, you can, you know, you can do pickups of, of story. That there's all kinds of things you can solve at all stages, but you cannot fix bad acting. Um, or, or, you know, a, a script is harder. You can throw enough money at it and you possibly could fix it if the other things are in place, but that's the... And I, exactly, exactly. Well said. And, and I'm not an actor, but 
I, I imagine it's difficult to act poor lines, mm. badly written words. Yeah. You know, you, you see a great actor, they look great because they're saying great dialogue in a, in a great setting and a great script. And you go, that actor's amazing. Well, there's part of it was the writing and the directing, obviously. And there, you know, there are great actors, but any great actor, I, I imagine, will tell you it was the script and they'll thank the director and they'll thank the writer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we got one from Will Kelling to everyone. Uh, if you've been lucky enough to shoot a film during lockdown, would you recommend getting it out there during this period or keeping your powder dry till the festivals are all open again? Nice. First of all, um, do not shoot a film in lockdown unless you're on your own in your basement. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think if it's, if it's an editing stage, you say, Oh, oh, oh okay. Um, the question is, should, should you put it out now or wait for festivals? Um, yeah. I would, I would imagine festivals are still taking submissions, so you could submit it to festivals if you think it's ready. I think now's a good time to do submissions, probably. Um, obviously, all festivals are on hold. You know, there's a lot of online festivals going on. Um, you know, it, it depends on what the film is, obviously. There's a mil million different aspects to look at. What you, what's your goal? You know, now's a great time to focus. What's your goal in the film festival world, you know? Uh, I'm working with a with a director who has a project, and you know he said, "What what should I do with it? What should I do with it?" I said, "Well, what do you want? What's the outcome you want? Do you, are you trying to get the widest possible audience, or are you trying to help your career? Are you trying to get noticed as a director? What what what's the outcome?" So I'd say, "Look at that. What what am I trying to achieve here? Because it might be everyone might have a different angle on what they're trying to achieve, whether it's." It, Get be known as a director in advance mm. career. Get the film sold in distribution. Get it to the widest possible audience. Get it to the best, most niche distributors. So it depends on what you want to do. But you should definitely be looking at fest doing festival submissions now. I think it's probably a good time. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm not that dialed into the current, this week, when I say current, <laughs> uh, state of affairs of film festivals, but I would imagine there's a lot of judges with free time in their hands mm. that can look at, at, at video link submissions. So, I mean, um, I mean, my, my, my take on the, um, the whole festival thing and whether you should get your film out is, is kind of what, what Jack says is it depends if you want it to be a festival, if you think it's got a good chance at festivals. Um, like for my feature, my approach was to hit up festivals, press, um, and the cinema run all kind of around each other uh, and build up a presence for the film through that, which then informed better sales agents' choices afterwards. Um, so it depends if you just want to get it out to sort of a, you know, maybe a, a more mass market where it's going to be difficult to make an impact at the moment. Yes, you'll probably get it out there, but it depends on whether you've got the, the tools to get people to actually watch it amongst a lot of content. Um, a festival run... You know, if you think it's got a good chance, then you'll be delaying it a little bit, but you can probably get it onto the same channels as now and there'll still be people interested and you're still trying to fight for their attention anyway. So that's kind of my take on it. Charles? Yep, totally agree. I think, I think I'd personally put, I know we're doing this with uh, Knights of Camelot, we're putting it out as soon as possible, um, as far as I've heard, just because now's the time why would you well people have got chance to put eyeballs on something you go well actually this isn't a bad idea 
So my take is, if you have a finished film now, I would say push it. But, out. but you've but you've got a you've got a kind of distributor kind of in place already. So I, I guess it's that's that's another side to um, Will's question: is is this an independent film you're looking to find someone to to host it, or have you got a sort of a you know some kind of system behind you? Because you know, in Giles's case, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, the same thing. Distributors are looking for films right now. Mm. They, they're going, well, hey, give me films, give me films, because we can mm. get them, we can get eyeballs on them. So, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, Jack, but that, that's, that's what I, I personally think you should do, is push them out now. Okay. okay. No, I, I agree. And it depends, again, it depends on, A, what the film is, and B, what's your goal? Yes. You know, if mm. your goal, if, A, if you have a film like you do, that's a high-quality film, I can only imagine. I can imagine, a, too. <laughs> <laughs> a feature film with quality actors and yeah. i don't know what the distributor but uh, quality actors anyway and yeah. uh, get it out there and it's 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 ready to go yes get it out there if you're you know if you're going to step it through the film festival world i'd say maybe you want to delay um, your your plans and you know be more strategic yeah uh We've got a question from, I imagine it's from Robbie. Well, should we bring um, him in? Let's bring Robbie in. Um, and yeah. he this question. Robbie, you ready? I'm bringing you in. Have you got uh, matching attics, guys? Yes. We yeah, find we're actually important. just neighbours. It's like that skylight <laughs> yeah. just leads to Giles' house. Robbie's just sat next to me. Look, I just had five in now. Ready? Oh, wait, that way. Ready? Now you've got to do the, the cup pass across. Wait. <laughs> I don't have a, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jack, uh, what, what are your tactics for dealing with the... Uh, um, either studio suits or kind of independent finances uh, to fight for like the minimum budget that a script might need? Uh, good question. Um, you know, you, 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 you have to know your cost. First of all, you, you can't fight for something you don't absolutely know inside and out. So you have to know exactly what your film costs and then you can defend on that basis. If someone says, well, we need to do it for less. You say, well, then I'm going to sacrifice this, 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 and this. Uh, so you need to defend it. So the strategy is just know your cost and defend it. For example, I had a, uh, I had a film where I had closed a deal for, uh, let's say, $10 million. And then someone came back later and they said, oh, we want to do it for $2 million. <laughs> I said, No. <laughs> not with me not with me you don't because that doesn't work <laughs> i know the cost of it i made it a 10 million dollar budget you know i i consult a line producer i'm also a line producer so i consulted myself and i knew the cost of it and uh and i'm just i just knew it was undoable at two million dollars so that's an extreme case and there's you know everything in between 20 million down to 15 million and 15 down to 10 8 7 you know, one one thing is they will always ask you to do it for less. <laughs> so you know that. You know, I, when I budget films, I budget several different levels if I have the time. And because I know they're going to come to me and say, can you do it for less? And I'd rather just say at the time, no or yes, I can. Because it, you're just going to waste time otherwise going back. So I keep programs is filmbudget.com is I help fellow filmmakers yeah. know the cost of their film because that's so important. I had so many people coming to me saying, you know, what, how much should I budget this for? Will you budget this for me? 
what what's a good budget? What's a good budget? And I just after about a thousand times that happening, I said, look, <laughs> I'm gonna have a little uh, what do you call it, a side hobby, and um, it comes in handy every crisis. So and and, and it has <laughs> to be it has to be said as well that it's kind of down to it's false economy if you're trying to trim the budget you know for trimming the budget's sake um and you're cutting back on stuff that's going to add to the production value you know or it's it's paying for something that's vital for it to actually succeed there are certain brackets in the different film tiers that will make it a success or not a success so obviously you've got to think of inventive ways to do certain things but trimming it for trimming its sake can be you know especially if it's like a week of post for instance and that's the difference between a glaring error in your film or, or, you know, people not noticing, then that's a massive yeah. impact on the, the budget. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why you've got to work with your writer and your director and know ways to do things more efficiently if required. But the underlying principle is you, you know, you've got to be realistic with your, your film. What's it worth in the market? What's the market value of the film? If, if you're making it for more than it's worth to the market, then of course people are going to tell you to lower your budget and they will have a real uh, smart reason to do that. But as you said, yeah, if you're getting false economies by making a, a terrible looking film, then you haven't achieved uh, the goal of making a great film. So you've got to balance those out. But fortunately we're in a world where streamers are just chucking money at the project. So that's mm. good. And that is, that is where the money is now, isn't it? Like the Netflix and the Apple yeah. TVs and the Amazons, like that's where, that's where they're throwing big money at IPs to get stuff made. And it'll probably change. You know, right now there is a, and this, this world's going to change it. You know, here we are. It's, it's amazing how things can change overnight. And they have, you know, we're going to, we might see, we probably very well, we'll see a pullback now on this exorbitant growth in, in budgets. I mean, we were going the opposite way for years in the independent film world, cutting budgets, cutting budgets, cutting budgets. Now, you know, with, with uh, the streamers in competition for projects and talent, the budgets were going up like crazy. But now with the financial condition, all these companies are going to be in, it's, it's, it's probably going to go back the other way. So, you know, you have to be prepared to answer your question, know your budget. Have a professional budget done by a line producer, UPM, production manager, or filmbudget.com and know your cost, know what your film costs because then you can be flexible. Mm. Brilliant, yeah. Jack. Thank you so much. It's incredible advice. Fantastic, Jack. Thank, thank you so much for your My time. Pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, and this has been brilliant. Um, Dom, Thanks, Robbie, we, as well. Yeah, Robbie, you've been amazing, as always. Shall we bring everyone in? Because we would like to do a photo. Um, yes. 50 He's going to speak of you, yeah. do you? Pick so we do that. So if you all just want to... Um, uh, get your videos in um, first. I do, oh, do I have to do that? Oh, God. I think I've got to do each and every one of you individually. Hang tight. Martin, <laughs> Martin one of our make the film classics. Hey. hey. Right, I've just muted you all. Um, except, Dom, I need to unmute you. Uh, and Robbie, I'll unmute you. Right. Cool. Thank you oh, so much. Special, and Jack, special privileges. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Colin, unmute. Going um, back to the beach. Yeah, yeah. go back to the beach. We're slightly jealous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, they closed all the beaches. Sadly, we can't go. Oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. 
Uh, makes sense. Um, hey, Jess. Uh, hey, Audrey. Hello. Um, right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us on this first attempt at doing this online event and just trying to connect you all and keep you all together. Thank you so much. Like I say, this will be up as a podcast later on this evening sometime when I do that. Um, but thank you very much for joining us. And we'll be doing another one April the 20th, right, Dom? Yes, we will be back. Yeah, I, think, I think it went pretty well. Technically, we'll, we'll work on a few things for next time. Um, I think, yeah, this was, a, this was a good format. And we'll try and take everyone's questions again next time and uh, keep everyone surviving the lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care, all of us. Keep up the good work. Thanks, everyone. Keep, guys. Stay care. motivated. Stay motivated. Do it. Let's go out there and make <laughs> it film. Make it happen. Yep. Don't go out there. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>